Welcome to Bracket U, a college basketball bracket podcast brought to you by Delphi Bracketologists. This is our first episode of the season. We're in our ninth year of bracketology, and we want to bring you weekly updates uh, for those who want to know where their favorite team stands in regard to the NCAA tournament. Uh, this podcast is for all you basketball junkies who have March Madness all season long, and we're able to do this because uh, of sponsorship of Coca-Cola Bottling of Kokomo. We appreciate their generous support. Uh, we have several donations coming in from our, our loyal followers. Uh, we appreciate that. That helps us buy some food, pay for the internet. Uh, services and special thanks to Bob Thompson for creating our intro music and always to uh, my friend and and co-host of the assembly call J- Jared Morris for inspiring us to to reach out and provide this kind of information my name is Brian Tonsoni uh, of Delphi Bracketology joining me are a couple of our high school students our editor Cade Nelson and our junior member Caden Gasser in his third year of doing bracketology work tonight we welcome you into this bracket discussion gentlemen how are we doing this evening good feeling good all right we're we're ready to uh rock and roll we're going to get right into it let's go to that top seed line uh we discussed it all week Uh, we had it on our tv show with isc sports network and uh kansas and houston are sitting there right on that ledge kansas has lost three in a row houston uh lost a, a game at home to temple uh, where do they compare with teams that might be on the two seed line? Cade, we'll start with you. Do you think those teams need to stay as one seeds? And if not, who are you going to replace them with? I think Kansas has all the means to stay on the one seed line with seven quad one wins. They're right up there with Purdue and Alabama to be like in comparison in that range. Um, and the fact that they are three and two on the road is like having that positive record is good. That three game slide is kind of concerning, but I think just the fact that they have those seven wins in quad one is good. Um, Houston for me might be the team to drop down because they only have uh, four quad one wins. So it's not as many uh, as the rest of the line, but their net is number one. So you can't really say much about that. And the team that might move up for me is Arizona. There's they have six quad one wins, so that matches with the other teams on the one line. But the only thing holding Arizona back, I think, is their net. But other than that, Arizona to move up and Houston might move down. So our, our listeners, uh, either live or or watching on YouTube or on the webpage later, how important is the net? Uh, the net does factor in. There has not been a double digit seed or net that has been a one seed since we've started doing this. I think maybe maybe I take that back. Maybe one year there's a double-digit seed. And right now I think Arizona uh, at, at, what are they, 11, and Kansas at 10 are two likely number one seeds. Uh, Caden, your, your thought, would you change anything on the seed line number one that uh, obviously Purdue and Alabama are our top two, uh, they're for sure uh, on, on that line, but there's a lot of discussion what would you do with the one seed line? Yeah, I agree with uh, Kate a lot, actually. Kansas, right now, they have at least seven more quad one games left. The three-game losing streak is hurting them right now, but they have a really good chance to come back. Um, and Houston, they only have three good competitive games left from what I looked at. They have a quad two game against Temple and two quad one games against Memphis left. Their strength of schedule is not great. And last time we had 
someone with less than six card one wins was Gonzaga in 2019. Um, and they didn't have any losses in any other quadrants. So I don't know how we adjust that. But Arizona also is looking great. It's going to be interesting to see if Houston hangs on to the number one net. Um, most bracketologists don't believe the net is a ranking system. We don't either. I, we think you have to win games. And you just laid out a, a perfect reason why teams might pass up Houston. Uh, they just have more quad one opportunities. When you look at their team sheet, it's going to look a, a lot better than Houston. So I'm in agreement with you guys. I think Houston is the one. And, and you have Arizona UCLA battling out out west. Uh, you have Tennessee, who's the second best team, according to Net, also that is on our two seed line that wants to uh, try to make a dent and get up there uh, to join their SEC conference uh, team in Alabama on the one seed line. So that's something to watch. Uh, a reminder to everyone, go to DelphiBracketology.com. Uh, we'll put out a seed list and uh, a new bracket uh, every Tuesday, and we're going to try to do it now twice a week Once this, as we're getting six weeks away from the NCAA tournament. So that's DelphiBracketology.com for information. You can follow us on Twitter, at DelphiBrackets. Uh, give us uh, your questions, and, and we'll try to answer them as much as possible. We have a couple live viewers. Um, if you have a question, go ahead and throw something in the comments, and we'll be glad to try to answer that to the best of our ability for you. But, gentlemen, we talked about – Kansas uh, on the one seed line, the uh, that conference is just loaded. Um, I think we might have after Tuesday's discussion, not not in the last bracket, but this next one coming out, potentially six teams from one conference uh, in the top four seed lines. So that's six Big Twelve teams in the top sixteen. Cade, look, Caden, uh, as you look at those. Um, what what teams are surprises, and and do you think the conference is going to keep six teams in that top level? Caden? Um, I think they're all doing really well right now. Um, Kansas State just had a big win, and they're all just getting through it. Kansas State, TCU beat Kansas earlier, and that was a great game for them. And I just think all these teams are going to keep rising up. I don't think mo many of them will drop here. Yeah, it, it, when you keep playing each other, they'll get some losses. But every win's going to be a major, not just a quad one win, but a major one. Cade, um, is there a team that uh, you think is going to uh, keep going forward and a team that might slide here in the Big 12? I think all these teams, with how well they're playing, have the chance to go forward. We talked about Kansas earlier being one of those teams that is on the one seed line and has all the potential to, you know, make another late run in the tournament. Kansas State might be a team for me that, you know, continues to rise. They just beat Kansas, uh, which was a crazy win at home in overtime. And then Baylor for me, I think might be the team that drops. They're the three, they're on the three seed right now. Um, they're third in strength of schedule. They're three and two on the road. But their wins as of quad one, they're five and five in quad one. I think one of their uh, wins that they had just got moved down to quad two. So to me, I mean, the wins that they have are good, but there's not necessarily a crazy amount of, you know, blowout wins in quad one that are really eye catching to me. So just the 500 
record in quad one kind of shows me that they have the capability to drop a couple games in a row to a tough conference like the Big 12. Yeah, and see, I happen to think Baylor, you know, I think Iowa State and Kansas State are, are the surprise teams, uh, obviously. Uh, TCU is another surprise team. I think they were supposed to be in the bottom half uh, of that league. But Baylor, I think, has overcome uh, possibly some uh, injuries. But, boy, they're all good. I mean, we're talking about maybe dropping one seed line uh, of anything of these Big 12 teams. But, obviously, the Big 12 is the best conference in uh, in the country. So, tonight, let's talk about Creighton. Um, Creighton is a team that was preseason top 10, uh, got off to a really good start, lost the championship game in, in Maui over Thanksgiving, and then all of a sudden uh, lost a couple games and lost uh, their star center and lost six games in a row, and then they've bounced back and started winning. But they don't really have a great great win on their resume but their net their mathematics their offense and defense it has been outstanding so they're I think in the low 20s 21 20 in the net um where do you think uh, Cade uh, we should try to place uh, Creighton and uh, how tough is it when there have been injuries uh, with teams that we have to evaluate yeah I think it's pretty tough when you talk about injuries because Creighton without injuries is a great team, but the fact that if you're not talking about injuries and you're just looking at the body of work based on numbers, it kind of to me looks like they have a bubble resume. Like they're right. they're similar in wins to Arkansas, Ohio State, and Maryland, who are lower on our seed line, obviously. And I mean, I think they're a solid team without injuries that will make a late push in the season. And so when it comes to, you know, late February, we'll be talking about them maybe on the sixth seed line going into the tournament. But right now, if you look at body of work, Creighton might be a team that should drop a seed line or two just because they don't have the the quantity of quad one wins like other teams have. And, and th that's the question, you know, like how, how do you, the losses matter? I mean, whoever played, next man up, whoever played, played, and Creighton lost. You can't just wipe out those losses. So if you just look at the raw data, the numbers, the quad wins, the, the strength of schedule, yeah, I think they're a 10-11 seed resume. But also the NCAA committee will look at how good did they play in the games when they had their full squad. So, And I still think that they're in that 8-9 range as that goes. That They haven't beaten anyone um, – gotten a really good quad one win or, or a couple good quad one wins fully healthy yet. They're going to have some opportunities uh, to beat an Xavier, to beat uh, teams like that. In fact, they're hosting Xavier this weekend. Uh, so, Caden, when we come to you, um, what's been – you know, you've been with us now two or three years. You, you had a really good year last year uh, as a sophomore, and you're really blossoming in, in trying to read these resumes. How difficult is it when we look at the numbers, we see one thing, but then your sponsor tells you that their star player was out uh, for three games. Uh, how does that? How difficult is that to then evaluate a team like Creighton? Well, yeah, it's very difficult because you don't know if the they're going to take in the injury in account when they grade these teams. So you don't know if you want to help them out by leaving them there until they get their team back. But right now, I see they're on a three-game win streak back. Once they got their man back, um, that quad three loss is only when BYU and he w didn't play that game. So 
it's kind of hard to put them down a couple ranks, but you also have you don't know if they're gonna use know that he was out for three games. Yeah, you know. So the tough thing for us is we got to go to class. I got to teach, and you guys got to go to math and science, and you got basketball practice and all of that. And uh, it's hard to keep track of every team in the country who's had who's had some injuries. We, we know some some big injuries. Indiana has dealt with some injuries. We know Creighton has Baylor. Uh, L.J. Cryer was out. We try to keep up with it as much as possible, uh, but it, it's difficult because sometimes a lot of teams have a player out for a game, and and really your resume is your resume. You are who you are, uh, and, and there are some slight adjustments I think that the committee does because they have a lot more information uh, than we do, and that's important for uh, I think our our viewers who want to know more about the bracket process understands that injuries throw us a curveball. Uh, and I've been doing this for nine years, and these guys have been doing it for three or four years, and it's still very, very difficult. So let's look at a couple teams that have traditional names. They play in the SEC, Kentucky and Arkansas. To me, I don't think they have really good resumes. Uh, Arkansas has been ranked. Uh, Kentucky is a brand name. Um, Caden, sometimes does the name get in the way of, of data, and we've got to kind of teach ourselves to not look at the name because when you think Kentucky, you think top team. But they got to win too, don't they? Yeah, Kentucky's like in the midst right now. They haven't had very many good games like recently. But if they win a couple more, they don't really have any more uh, low-cased games anymore with their schedule. They they have no more quad three games left, from what I looked at, and they're on a four-game win streak. Four-game win streak going into this, so I think they can pull out a couple more wins. Most of these are going to be quad one, couple, couple quad two. But I think if they pull out of this jam from the beginning of the season, I think they'll be really good. Yeah, I, I tend to believe they'll be in the bracket uh, at, at some point. Cade, uh, you know, we have similar teams like this all the time. Uh, you know, good teams having tough years, uh, and, and they don't have the numbers to match up to some, some other people. Um how do you feel about how difficult is it to fairly position them on a seed list? Yeah, I think like you were saying, that big name kind of aura that the team has around them makes you want to put them in the bracket. But like you were saying, you know, it's based off wins. And if that big team can't get a win, then maybe it opens up a spot for a team like FAU or Charleston that we'll talk about later for them to have an opportunity to get in the tournament and show what they're all about. So when these big teams have a slump of, of, you know, starting the season off rough uh, with only one quad one win, maybe not the greatest net in the world, not playing well on the road, that just opens up all the room in the world for smaller teams to come in. And I think the committee wants to be able to put the small teams in. So they might have to sacrifice a Kentucky or an Arkansas to drop out of the tournament to make room for those smaller teams. Well, you hit on something that I'd really like to see the NCAA committee do, and that is put a couple more of these schools in at that 9, 10, 11 seed range than maybe the 8th or ninth team from the, the Big 12 or the Big 10. Uh, I think they deserve it, and, and, and one tough loss in a conference tournament um, could, could cause problems. So for our listeners who are brand new to the bracket process, 32 teams get in by winning their conference bid. Uh, which it means winning the conference tournament at the end of the year. And then the NCAA committee picks the next best 36 teams. 
And once they have 68 teams, then they put them in a, a seed list, one through 68, and put them on seed lines, one through 16. So you'll hear us talk about that uh, in these bracket podcasts uh, from here until uh, Selection Sunday. So, uh, gentlemen, we did really well last year on, on seed lines one through six. We were darn near perfect, and then all of a sudden everything kind of fell apart. Uh, we only missed on two teams total, but we didn't seed very well from the from line seven through 11. Um, Cade, why, why is it so difficult? Right now it's real difficult because everyone has one, two, maybe a few, three quad one wins. They're all lumped together, and making one team a, a seven and one team a nine or one team a nine and one team 11 is, is very difficult at this time. And we do it mostly for practice. Uh, it'll become a lot more serious in about three or four weeks when there are more games. But why is it so difficult after the top teams to, to put teams on the proper seed line, in your opinion? Yeah, I just think it's tough because um... – like when you have teams like this, it's all about what the committee is going to value the most when it's either, you know, a good net or a couple good quad one wins. Sorry if you can hear my dog barking, but um, if you like it just it all depends. I'm not necessarily going to say a roll of the dice because there's there's got to be one way you can kind of determine whether a team is going to move up or down. But. It, since it's varied so much over the years with having a good net being valued more or having a couple good wins valued more, I think that is what makes it so hard, just trying to figure out how to balance the two and try to see which one um, is going to be priority. For me, the difficulty is looking at a, a quad one record that is, let's say, five and six, and I see under 500, and my, my uh, standings board mind wants to say that's not good. But if you play 11 good teams and you win five, you're a pretty good team and you have a good chance in the tournament. Um, so sometimes I'll see three and six and think that team's really, really bad. But they're really not because they play a tough schedule. If they're three and six but have five or six quad two wins, so sometimes we put the quad one and the quad two together. Uh, and if you're 500 or better in quad one or quad two, you're generally going to be thought of as a team that could be in the tournament uh, in one of those 36 teams. And you can find that information, the quad information at warrennolan.com. We want to give a shout out to them. They provide all of that data that we pull for our spreadsheets. Um, Caden, some tough times. Just, uh, when teams, you got 20 some, 24 teams uh, that are all tight together. What, what's your process? You, you did a really good job last year of, of saying that Wisconsin was a three, year, three seed and we didn't listen to you and you were right and we were wrong. So, what what's your criteria as, as I ask questions in our meetings that uh, you look at? Where do you go first, and then what's your second uh, kind of criteria for your decision making? First, I usually go to like what the quad what their quad three and quad four look like, and then I look at their quad one losses. The quad lo losses, if they're close games, and you got to put them in retrospect. You got you got to look at them more closely, and if they're going. If they're playing great in every other quad, and then quad one's just like they're not be able to play out, but they're having close games with them, you can't push them back because they're they don't have the amazing wins in quad one. And it's yeah, just you're yeah. talking like St. Mary's right now is one and two in quad one, five and zero oh in quad two. Uh, and they're they're seven in the net. Those teams are difficult for me to to place them. Um, 
because of what you said, you know, they've won their games, but a, a majority of them are in quad three and four. But they've obviously played some some good basketball. So the St. Mary's, uh, some of the smaller schools that don't have the opportunities. Caden, you've mentioned that twice. Some of the smaller schools that don't have the opportunities. How do you compare them to the Michigan States? Uh, you know, to uh, the Dukes and the North Carolinas. It's very very difficult to do. Which brings us to our our next topic: is there are two small schools that are just really playing really well in Florida Atlantic, and they're. They're playing right now, and they're up eight uh, in a conference game. And Charleston, Charleston's twenty-one and one. Uh, FAU, I think, has only lost once or twice. FAU is ranked high in the net at eighteen. Charleston is in the forties. But these are teams that usually come from conferences where they have to win the tournament in order to get in. These conferences do not get at-large bids usually. Caden, your thought: Should schools like FAU and Charleston, who have dominant seasons, but don't play tough competition. Should there be a spot for them in the bracket? I mean, these teams are performing really well, but you can't absolutely put them in yet because they haven't put played amazing teams. Like looking at Charleston, their quad one win was against North Carolina, and they're not. And they lost that game, didn't they? Oh yeah, they're lost. But that's lost. the only game they played. Yeah. Yeah, the only game they lost. It was away. It was against North Carolina. North Carolina is not one of the amazing teams in our bracket right now. You can't put them up there, but you can't like just push them away. They're like they're not a top nine seed. I, I could tell you that, but the teams are playing amazingly, and I don't know how to really react to their playing. I, it, it's tough because you want to put them in, but their resume says no. Um, but I'll throw this to you, Cade. I do think there is a path. I think Florida Atlantic's resume is enough to get them in, maybe, uh, and, but I don't know where to seed them. Would you agree that they've played and won a couple of quad ones? Is that enough to get Florida Atlantic uh, in the tournament, in your opinion? Yeah, I think it's definitely enough for them to get in the tournament. Anytime a, a, a small team like this can, you know, take – advantage of the quad one opportunities that they get and go two and oh in quad one i think to me that's is that's just like amazing to see such a small team be able to get those wins and especially when what like with a charleston too when they play all these games in college basketball and they only lose one game to me that like it just shows that they know how to win and they can win over and over and over again but in charleston's case I, it's it's great that you can win games, but if you're not necessarily going to win against uh, Kentucky, uh, you know Purdue, anything a big team like that, big name team, then not. I don't think there's a set spot for you to be in the tournament. There's definitely consideration that maybe if you get upset in your conference tournament, you can sneak in. Um, but FAU definitely in just based off those two quad one wins. But Charleston, I think it's a flip of the coin if they're in or not. So here's my case for Charleston. The numbers don't add up. They're 0-1 in quad one, and they're 3-0 and in quad two. Uh, but they did schedule up. They played some teams uh, that in the past have made the tournament. So the, they beat Kent State, who's a, a top team right now in, in the uh, MAC here locally. 
Uh, they beat Virginia Tech at home, which Virginia Tech's a 52 net. That's an um, They beat an ACC team. They lost to North Carolina, an ACC team. They beat Colorado State, who has been in the tournament, but having a down year, so their net is down 120. They've beaten Richmond, who was in the tournament last year, I believe, and they're 137, having about a 500 year. So they scheduled up against tougher opponents, Atlantic 10 Conference and uh, the ACC, but unfortunately for them, those teams are not having uh, quite the, the year. So I think Charleston tried to schedule up, and they beat some higher-quality opponents. It just doesn't show up in the raw data. I do think there is a path for Charleston to get in. I know that goes against a lot of our, our bracketology friends who, who think that uh, uh, they just don't have the resume, but that'll be an interesting one for, for people uh, to watch. So now we're going to move to a segment we're going to try to do on a regular uh, basis. we got three segments to end the show. Uh, we're going to ask uh, anyone who's on the show, teams that you are watching, uh, whether they're going to move up or down. So, Cade, we'll start with you. What team, uh, in or out of the bracket, are you really going to keep your eye on here this next week to see if they can move up or down our list? The team that I'm going to watch this week is North Carolina. And I'm going to watch them because they're they're a team that last year was kind of in a similar spot. Um Last year at this time, not necessarily when the bracket came out, but at this time, they're one and six in quad one, one and four on the road, but they have the a 20 strength of schedule and a 10 non-conference strength of schedule. So they're playing difficult games, just not getting the wins that they need. And to me, that's that's eye-catching because when you're playing these tough games um, and you know your team believes in you to pull out wins, I think later on they'll figure out how to win and that's that's what i'll be watching for when you are able to keep a a decent net at 42 and get at least one quad one win uh over ohio state i think you know that's good good enough for me to keep them where they're at right now and to see them get a couple more wins maybe in quad one or on the road uh i'll just be looking to see what that'll do for their net or what that'll do to move them up in the in the seed lines. Yeah, they're going to be a tough one to seed. And sometimes what's interesting, since I've been doing bracketology, I, I don't nor- normally root for the teams that I would root for other than my favorite team, but I root for the simple bracket move. So <laughs> we want North Carolina to win a lot of games or lose a lot of games so they can be dropped out altogether or we have an easy time seeding them. Uh, Caden, coming to you, uh, a team that, that you're going to watch either uh, that you believe is moving up or moving down. I mean, I'm always watching them, but I'm I'm really gonna watch them this week because uh, Wisconsin, uh, because of what's going on? They're they're four, they have a four loss win streak on the road right now. And oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm gonna correct you there. How could you have a four loss win streak, four game losing yeah. streak, right? Loss losing streak. <laughs> losing. Uh, all right, all right. Game losing streak. Uh, on the road right now. But they're also playing in the Big Ten. I mean, it's no, it's no Big Twelve, but the Big Ten is a powerhouse in the bracket area. I just they're losing right now, but if they win, they can come back. Yeah, they they, they also had some injuries with the the Wall kid being out and lost three games in a row. Uh, so that'll that'll be under consideration. But since he's come back, they've also lost. So again, same similar situation with Creighton with a big star player being out and some games being lost. For me, 
Uh, I'm going to watch West Virginia, and, and I'll probably be watching them for the rest of the year because they have an interesting resume too. They're four and eight in quad one, no losses outside of quad one, two and four on the road, and they're 29 in the net. Uh, and I'll, and they're just on on the bubble as a, a 10 11 seed because they don't have those four wins aren't necessarily outstanding wins that they have some work to do but it's going to be interesting to watch because they have such the high net that that usually is a team to be considered uh, but the four stands out we have them on the 10 line and, and that's well above Arkansas's one uh, and, and Missouri has two Clemson has two North Carolina State has one. Where do you compare West Virginia? So I want to see if they can pull off a couple big wins. The Big 12, as we said earlier, is really, really tough. So they got some – I think it's going to be difficult for them to make the tournament because of all of that. Okay, so now it's something that every bracketologist talks about and, and deals with all the time, and that is bubble talk. Um, the bubble, uh, again, is those teams in the 10-11 seed, the last – Maybe eight teams that are in could fall out with one bad week, and then the teams that are out, those first eight teams that are out, that could move back in. Caden Gasser, uh, who's a t- uh, look at the bubble and, and tell me what you think. Either a team should be in uh, or a team should be out. Your thoughts? Um, my eyes when I look at the bubble what bubble list right now draws me directly to Penn State. Penn State is a 63 net, which isn't amazing, but they're seven and three in the last 10 games. They only have one bad loss, which is in quad four. Uh, I don't know who specifically to, but they're also, they are still looking good in their past few games. Georgia Tech, Louisville, Wake Forest, they're beating them. They're beating them. And they're not just beating them by little amounts. Like, Louisville, seventy-five to fifty-four. They're they're beating them by a decent amount. Yeah, Penn State um, is either they're they're back and forth. They've been in our bracket, out of our bracket. I would look for them to go in Friday. Uh, I've made some uh, adjustments, uh, a little bit adjustments to what we did Tuesday. Tuesday we had them uh, out. Previous to that, I think, or maybe we had them as a ten seed at some point. We had them out and then ten seed. So I do think Penn State is one of those teams uh, to watch. On the on that is very tight on the bubble. Cade, your your bubble team to kind of keep track of. My bubble team to keep track of right now would be Pittsburgh, and I think Pittsburgh definitely has the case to move up in the bracket. And the only reason I say that is because there are teams like Clemson that have similar um, like win resumes to them. But Pittsburgh's net is 65 and Clemson's net is 59. So not a crazy difference, but enough difference to move Clemson up a couple seed lines. But the fact that Pittsburgh has been able to win on the road with a 5-2 and two record and beat teams like Virginia, uh, North Carolina State, and Northwestern by, you know, decent amounts. You know, they're able to win games. I just want to see them be able to string a couple more together to get more quad two and – one wins just just a few so that maybe you you can see their net drop a little bit and that'll make you feel more comfortable with them moving up the bracket my team is texas a&m they're quite a ways off the bubble for us maybe team eight or nine off the bubble but they are now making a push buzz williams had a problem with their selection last year in fact 
That was a team that we missed. Texas A&M we had in because of their play in the SEC tournament, uh, got all the way to the championship game and got left out, and Buzz Williams was not happy about that. They got off to a really, really tough start with some really tough losses, but they are now starting to play the basketball that Buzz Williams wants them to play. They're going to need to string three or four in a row against some quality opponents in the SEC to get to a spot where where we move them in. But uh, it's some of those teams that you, that I think we got to keep um, – uh, you know your eye on uh, what they do, so they don't. You know you don't get st- uh, stuck later in the year not not considering those teams. So we're going to end every week's show with uh, what we call our game winner segment, uh, and this week it's just going to be something interesting from a, a piece of data from a team sheet uh, from anyone in our bracket or that we are considering. And Caden, um, I'm going to go to you. What do you want to share with our listeners that you find interesting about? Uh, any particular team? Um, I wanted to talk about TCU and how they just don't have any games in the middle ground. They've had their quad three games. They, don't have, they have zero quad three games total, and they have two quad two games. And the rest are in quad one, quad one and quad four. It's just there's no middle ground to grade them. And Cade, how about you? I would say this this might be off the game winner um, criteria, but I would say Clemson's whole entire resume, the fact that they've been able to win some low-tier quad one games uh, to keep them higher on the seed line than what they might uh, really be, their net is 56. And to me, that is the, the thing that really stands out to me when I look at Clemson because with such a – not bad, but – below average net with two quad four losses you know normally that would look to me like that team should be bubble you know they they can't win on the road and there's there's not much to really keep them in but they've been able to win three quad one games um and you know balance out their net so to me i i like to watch clemson and see how their net's going to play out yeah they get a boost a little bit because right now they're they're registered as the leader in the conference you know if if you win a conference tournament or you win a regular season conference, I think that is a boost for your resume um that's a good point my mine is the Tennessee volunteers they're they're number two in the net a lot of people are are talking about them being the number one seed they have their best win is against Kansas uh, who has been faltering here and I think that was in a three day tournament in the Bahamas. And sometimes, you know, playing three games in a row, uh, some interesting results can, can happen. Uh, other than that, their next best win is to Maryland. And Maryland is a bubble team in the 9, 10, 11 seed range. And then at Mississippi State. So their net numbers are fantastic, and that draws your attention to it. But I think they're missing some really good wins. They're going to have to go uh, – again, they got Arkansas and Alabama – and Auburn uh, yet on their schedule, they need to win some of those to back up what the computer models are, are saying. And so that's an interesting piece there where I don't think it's one one seed worthy, and, and I'm not sure Tennessee is two seed worthy, to be totally honest with you, if you take away uh, their high ranking in the net. Pains me. I'm a huge Tennessee fan. I love Tyreek Key. He used to play at Indiana State. He was at Indiana State for three years when my son was a manager down there. Got to be really good friends with Tyreek. I want uh, Kentucky or, or Tennessee to do well in the tournament, uh, but I think right now they're definitely a two seed. 
uh, and maybe uh, ends up being a, a three seed. So, gentlemen, I, I do appreciate all the work that you do. Uh, you are just solid members of our group. Uh, we try to do uh, do do our best, and, and we have uh, a, a lot of stuff going on. Any any final comments, Caden? Your your last uh, comment tonight. Um, I don't have much. It's just got to watch Houston now they play out with their low schedule ranking and all that. Cade, final thoughts. My final thoughts for anybody that watches uh, this video or anybody that is currently watching the video, watch college basketball because it is fun to watch. No matter what game it is, tune in even for a little bit. It'll catch your eye and you just won't want to look away. So just watch watch the game and have some fun. Also, tune into our podcast. Uh, we're going to have at least one a week on Thursday. Uh, I'm even thinking about doing some brief updates, five- or ten-minute updates, maybe having some other bracketologists from around the country uh, uh, join in, in some podcasts. Uh, and tune into ISC Sports Network. Uh, they give us an opportunity to do a television in-studio show called The Bracket Report. Uh, every Tuesday evening. So you can get a dose of uh, us on Tuesday and on Thursday on the audio podcast. You can listen on uh, you know, Spotify and, and Apple Podcasts. we got to make sure that goes out now this year. But that will do it for this episode of Bracket U. Uh, we'll be back uh, next week. Uh, and, and go to Bracketology, DelphiBracketology.com and check out our work there. And, again, follow us on uh, Twitter at Delphi Brackets for updates and information. And don't be afraid to ask us questions about your favorite team. Make sure you check out our donation page where you can help us with all the costs associated with our club. Uh, for Caden Nelson and Caden uh, Gasser, uh, we're wishing you a good night, and we hope that your team wins a lot of games. We'll see you soon.